I stood before God's Son. It was time to see what my reward would be. With love he reviewed my life to count what was done for Christ. For that was what would last eternally. See, I've done my best to share that Jesus really cares and he would save if they would just believe oh but seldom did harvest come so few did I see one until the Lord said, turn around and see. Then he showed me the faces of the ones who'd come because of me. So many faces that my life had led to Calvary. All those years I thought nobody saw as I labored in lonely places. That's when Jesus smiled and showed me all the faces he said though you did not see the, the yield you were faithful you were faithful to, to plow the field and, and other times you helped me plant the seed no matter how small the task you did just as I ask and thanks to you these souls have been set free he showed me the faces of the ones who come because of me. So many faces that my life had led to Calvary. All those years I thought Nobody saw as I labored in lonely places. That's when Jesus smiled and showed me all the faces. 
those years you thought nobody saw as you labored in lonely places one day he'll smile and show you all the faces the faces you'll see their faces uh, let me uh, bring you up to date on a few of our folks uh, in the church uh, I'm looking over here to see uh, Fred uh, he's with us this morning, Fred Anderson. Talked to him on the phone uh, this week. As you know, he had right knee surgery. Uh, that's going well, but medication was not agreeing with him too well. And so uh, for quite a number of weeks, um, he's had some side effects uh, from those. But he's back now. Made a turnaround, I believe you said, on Wednesday. And so uh, continue to pray for Fred. And Fred, it's good to have you back this morning. Uh, good report with Dave. Uh, the liver enzyme count was down, the numbers were down, and that's a, certainly a praise item. Uh, but continue to pray for Dave as well. And Darlene, uh, continue to pray for her as uh, we're praying that the, um, she would steadily improve uh, from pulled muscles. Sandy Snyder, of course, keep her in prayer. Uh, she had broken a bone in her leg and torn tendons. Um, she, again, is going to have a long road. Uh, not until the pins and plate are removed is she able to put any weight uh, on that foot. So uh, pray for her, and um, I'm sure she greatly appreciates that. One other uh, man uh, we have added to the list down there, at the very bottom on the left-hand side, uh, Trudy Payton's father. Uh, he's had some issues over the years, but uh, they learn now, and, and we don't have it in the bulletin, um, but he has uh, terminal lung cancer, and so pray for him. Um, I just pass that on to you uh, to, to keep him in uh, your prayers. I'm sure uh, they would appreciate that very, very much. Father, again, we come before your presence with thanksgiving. We come before you, Lord, because you are a God of hope. Uh, you're a God of healing. Uh, you're a God who was able to do what Lord, doctors and physicians are not able to do. Uh, you're able to touch bodies and raise up people. Uh, and so we're thankful, Lord, that we can come before you as the great physician. Father, we thank you for Fred. We thank you, Lord, that he's able to be here this morning. We pray for continued healing. We thank you for the good report with Dave. Father, we pray that you would continue to um, help him to... Uh, come to complete healing. And for Darlene, keep giving her that improvement. Although slow, Lord, things are moving forward. And for Sandy, we pray for um, patience. Uh, we know, Lord, that it's easy in a situation like this to become frustrated with not being mobile like you'd like to be. So we, we commit her to you, as well as Trudy's father, Bill. Lord, we've known him for quite a number of years. And we just pray that, Father, you would comfort him now in these days, and Trudy as well. 
Uh, Father, again, we thank you for our time this morning. Lord, this is always a special time when uh, you allow us as your family to be able to come together. Uh, Father, we don't have a lot of opportunities to come together like this as the full body of Christ. Uh, but Father, we're here today. This is a day which you have made and we will rejoice and we will be glad in it. We thank you, Father, for the fact that it is through your Son that we are related to one another. It's through Jesus, our mediator, that uh, allows us, Lord, to come before you and allows us to be part of your family. So we thank you for the great sacrifice that Jesus made for each of us on the cross, that sacrifice which, uh, which blood, in which blood was shed. And, Father, death occurred, and it was all so that our sins might be forgiven. We're thankful that you have forgiven us you have cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And so we appreciate and we're grateful this morning. And we thank you for that. I pray that you would help us as we study once again, Lord, these purposes. To understand why we've been put here on this planet. Uh, Lord, it's not all about us, but it's all about you. It's about giving, not about taking, as we're going to look at this morning. It's about ministry. It's about service. And Father, as we sang already this morning, there really is joy in serving Jesus. What a privilege it is to be able to minister in your name and minister and serve other people. So help us to get that this morning. Help us to understand that. It's not just about taking. It's not just about being served. But Lord, it's about serving others and giving out. And so I pray that you would use our time together to help us to understand this fourth purpose uh, in which you have created us. Bless this praise team now, Lord, as they lead us in music. Draw us, Lord, into your presence. And Father, we come before you now, and we're going to sing and lift our voices, and we're going to praise you. For Father, you certainly are worthy of our glory and our honor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing to our Father in heaven? Let's start with the chorus. Let's start with the chorus, Becca. One more. There we go. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds and shining like the sun. At the trumpet calls, so lift your voice. It's the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation. Days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and storm, still we are the voice of the dead. Cry, prepare ye the way. 
introduced last week but the screen froze and I had no idea the screen froze so I was not singing a solo last week I just didn't know the words weren't behind me and uh, um, but uh, could you go to the chorus Becca the words are just so powerful when you don't move the mountains that I'm needing you to move and when you don't part the waters that I wish I could walk through and when you don't give the answers even when I'm crying out to you I will trust in you. Um, and so we want to teach that to you this morning. Um, powerful, powerful words, a true cry from the heart. Um, that God, when you don't give me what I'm hoping for or what I desire, or what I've been praying for, even when I'm crying out, I'm still going to trust that you have a better plan for me. Um, because as one of the MacArthur boys was quoting scripture, his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Letting go of every single dream, my late one down. At 
changes are what you see. I try to win this war.
I begin this morning by reading a couple of uh, lines from Rick Warren's book entitled, The Purpose Driven Life. We come now to the fourth purpose of the church, the fourth purpose of your life, 
And this is what he says. You were put on earth to make a contribution. You weren't created just to consume resources, to eat, to breathe, to take up space. God designed you to make a difference with your life. While many best-selling books offer advice on how to get the most out of life, that's not the reason God made you. You were created to add to life on earth, not just take from it. God wants you to give something back. And this is God's fourth purpose for your life. It's called ministry or service. And the Bible gives the details. God didn't create us just to take, but God created us to give. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, we read this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. We have been created to do good works. We have been created to serve. We have been created to minister. We have been created to add to life. The first point is you were created to serve God. You were placed on this planet not to be served, but to serve. And when you serve others, you are in actuality, you are serving God. You remember Jesus when he told us that parable of the sheep and the goats? And Jesus said to his disciples, uh, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you helped me. When I was a stranger, you came to me. When I needed clothes, you clothed me. And then the disciples look at Jesus and said, but Jesus, we just don't remember that. We don't remember the time when we fed you or gave you something to drink or gave you our clothes. And then Jesus says this, Whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me. You see, when we serve others, we are serving God himself. We were created to serve God through others. The second thing I see is that we were saved to serve God. Not just created to serve God, but God saved us to serve him. Remember last week we looked at that little verse in Philippians where it said work it out. Where the spirit of God works in us, but then we have to work it out. Not for salvation, but because we are saved. James tells us that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. In other words, James says, listen, let me prove to you my faith. And I will prove to you that I have faith in Jesus because look at these things that I am doing. Faith is something that needs to be worked out. 
Faith is something that needs to be worked out. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, we read, You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Did you know that it costs Jesus a great deal to bring about your salvation? It costs Jesus his very life in order for you to be saved. And so we don't serve God out of guilt. We don't serve God out of fear. We don't serve God out of duty. We serve God out of joy and deep gratitude. Because God's Son gave His life that we might be saved. We owe God our very lives. Because Jesus laid His life down for us. A saved heart is a heart that wants to serve out of gratitude for what Jesus has done for us. You were created to serve. You were saved to serve. And you were called to serve. We often think that it's missionaries that are called into service. It is a pastor who's called to ministry. It's a full-time worker who is called by God to enter into his work. And yet the Bible says that every Christian has been called to serve. Your call to salvation includes your call to serve. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 4, we read, Now you belong to him in order that we might be useful in his service. You see, that's our fourth purpose. Our fourth purpose is to serve. Our fourth, fourth purpose is to minister. As someone said, a non-serving Christian is a contradiction in terms. And by the way, there are no insignificant ministries in the church. There are no insignificant ministries in the church. Every ministry is very, very important. Some are visible, some are behind the scenes, but they're all valuable. You know, in our home, in our bedroom, the most important light is not the big light on the ceiling fan. The most important light in our bedroom is a little night light at the bottom of our bed so that when I get up at night, I don't stub my toe. There are a lot of ministries in the church that you never see, that you never see, and yet every ministry is important because we are dependent upon each other. Even as I speak to you, you see me. You don't see all that takes place while I'm standing before you. You don't see those on video. You don't see those on sound. You don't see those in the nursery who keep those babies from crying in this sanctuary. But there's so much taking place behind the scenes that you never see. But all of those are important. I often say as I grab for the mic that I wear on Sunday mornings, I say to the sound guy, make me sound good. Because, you know, they have a lot of power back there. 
<laughs> they have a lot of power. <laughs> wow. I did not see that one coming. John Lebo. I did not see that one coming. That was great. That was absolutely great. Oh my, leave it up to John. Leave it up to John. You see? I mean, I don't have to say anymore. You get that. You get that. Every ministry matters. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I would, oh wow. <laughs> I knew you weren't. See, he's not even scheduled for sound. No, no, you are. You're not, anyway, thank you, John, for driving home that point. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to show you the um, relationship that we all have with one another as we are dependent on one another in order for the body to function. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, this is a chapter on spiritual gifts, and it says in verse 14, it says, Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but there's one body. Just, Paul is saying here, just as the human body must have diversity and variety in order to work effectively as the whole, so the members of the body of Christ we have diverse gifts. We all have different gifts. And each must exercise that gift for the good of the whole. We were created to serve God. We were called to serve God. We were saved to serve God. But did you also know that you were commanded to serve God? Service is not optional. Service is not optional. You remember when the mother of James and John, the sons of thunder, uh, she comes to Jesus one day and, and she had the best in mind for her son. She wanted the best for them, as all mothers do. And so she comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, you, you've been talking a lot about the setting up of your kingdom. Now, Jesus, when that kingdom comes, my request of you is that one of my sons sits on your right hand and the other hand and the other son sits on your left hand these were positions of great prominence of great importance and she wanted for her sons to sit there in those important positions with Jesus but Jesus says to her whoever wants to be great must be a servant if you want to be great in God's kingdom, then you must be a servant. And then Jesus goes on to say this, just as 
the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and he gave his life as a ransom for many. You know, I believe the two verbs in that sentence, those two verbs in that verse, really sum up this fourth purpose. To serve and to give. That's what we've been called to do. That's what we're commanded to do. We have been commanded by God to serve and to give. Not to be served, not to always be taking, but to serve and to give. Last week, we, we looked at discipleship. Last week, we looked at the fact that uh, we need to be growing. We need to be maturing. Uh, we need to become more like Jesus day by day. And I challenged you uh, that the Bible is a big part of that. That you need to read your Bible. You need to study your Bible. You need to meditate on the Word of God. But you know, it doesn't stop there. Because study without service leads to spiritual stagnation. The old comparison of the two bodies of water over in Israel. I had the privilege of being able to go over to Israel a number of years ago. You kind folks, you, you sent me over there, and I still can remember you know, being there on the Sea of Galilee. I bought one of their shirts in the store, and it says on the back, I sailed the Sea of Galilee. And I can remember that trip. I remember being on that, that little boat, and we went out into the water. The Sea of Galilee is just teeming with life, filled with life. Why? Because water flows in and water flows out. Now you go south down the Jordan River from the Sea of Galilee, and you come to a body of water called the Dead Sea. Now there's a reason. <laughs> it's called Dead Sea. Now I swam in the Dead Sea. Well, you don't really swim. You just kind of walk out into it. Big difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. You know why there's nothing living in the Dead Sea? Because water goes in, never flows out. Never flows out. You see, for the Christian, we need to take in the Word of God. There are things we need to be reading and studying and meditating. But it's got to go out. It's got to flow out of us. What we learn, what we preach has to be put into practice. Otherwise, we become spiritually stagnant. The follower and mature believer in Jesus Christ, he stops asking the question, who's going to meet my needs? The mature believer asks this question, whose need can I meet? Whose need can I meet? You know, we take in and we take in, and that's a good thing. Nothing wrong with taking in. But at some point, we've got to give out or we become stagnant. We become stagnant. Someone has once, well, Rick Warren said this, service is the pathway to real significance. Service is the pathway to real significance. 
it's through ministry, he said, we discover the meaning of our lives. You know, as I was preparing this morning, I, I was thinking of different folks in the church, and I certainly am not going to be able to mention everybody that's here this morning, but I thought of different ones. Because when you begin to think through your place in the church, where you serve, what is your ministry, you need to find that fit, that match. In fishing, it's, it's called matching the hatch. You know, if you're going to be successful and catch a trout on a trout stream, uh, you want to be throwing an artificial fly that matches one that's falling into the water that they're eating. In, in the church, we need to find the fit. What is that fit? What should I be doing? And I, I thought of many of you who found your fit. Uh, I was thinking of Ivan Bechtel, although I don't see him back there, and if he would be here, we wouldn't have had the trick just played on us a moments ago, probably by John Lebo. But Ivan goes way, 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 way back in sound. And Ivan is just a fit. Uh, he knows music. He has a good ear. And I think of Ivan as a, as a great sound guy. Uh, I think also of, uh, of Kim Booker. And I only have to mention her name, and right away, who, what are you thinking about? Food and kitchen, right? <laughs> it's the food in the kitchen. Um, perfect fit. I was staying there on Friday, Kim. I don't know if you saw me. I was in the cafeteria with all the mo moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas picking up their children and grandchildren. I saw her walking back and forth in the kitchen. Uh, I wrote down here Denny Hamill. Uh, and Den Denny loves when I mention his name as church. See, his head goes down. He doesn't look up. But, I mean, we have had a lot of guys, and, and they've all been great who have mowed our grass. But Denny has gone the extra mile. And he has found a fit in the church. I think of Steve with music. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but you know, what a great accompanist for our hymns on Sunday morning. And uh, Steve is a music guy. He's found that, I mean, he does other things. He paints the lines on the, on the parking lot, by the way, if you didn't know that. All those lines he's painted. I think of Kathy Ridge with ladies. When you think of Kathy, you think of lady ministries. I think of Jim Markle as treasure. And, and what we need to do is find that fit. Find that place where, where we need to serve. We need to match the hatch. Rick Warren, he speaks about being shaped for serving God. We have been shaped in a certain way, to serve God. That God has formed every creature on this planet. God has formed every creature on this planet with a special area of expertise. There are some animals that run. There are some animals that hop. There are some animals that swim. Some animals that burrow. Some animals that fly. But each one has a role to play based on the way that God has shaped them. Fish can swim because God has shaped them that way. Birds fly because God has shaped them that way. We read in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, I read this before, that we are God's workmanship. 
We have been created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are God's handcrafted work of art. Did you know that? You are God's handcrafted work of art. You have been custom designed. You are not an assembly line product. You have been specifically created. You are God's original masterpiece. You are one of a kind. Ethel Walters said, God doesn't make junk. He doesn't. You are his masterpiece. Have you been over to sheet, the new sheets yet? Probably you have. Uh, I picked up, as I said, Kim, uh, my granddaughter on Friday. They got out from school because of the Gratz Fair, and uh, she said, I, I want to go to the new sheets. Well, okay, Bryn. She's kind of got my, me wrapped around her little finger. She says, do this, and I just do it. And so she says, let's go to sheets. I said, okay, we'll go over to sheets. And um, we walk in the store, and it's really nice. I, I mean, it's, it's like you don't feel like you're in Halifax. You know, the, we don't have this little one, we don't have this little one anymore. So it seems like we're in this super sheet store now. And, um, you know, she goes over to the screen, right? Now, I know I was talking to Chris Howe, and she always loves when I mention her name. But on Wednesday night, uh, Joe gave us a buy one, get one at Sheets. And I went to the old Sheets and, and, and got a drink for myself and Joe. And, and we were talking about these, these monitors, how they can become awfully intimidating to those folks that are a little older. Chris, you're, you're not a little older, but I know Chris is kind of intimidated by these monitors. You know, go in there, and, and here's the screen. And then you, you touch it. Now, I, I was standing in with Brinley, and, you know, she just... <laughs> and this guy comes in beside her. He did the same thing. as like, boom, boom, boom. Receipt comes out. Now, this is me. Now you've got 17 million options. I don't want any of them. Okay, continue. But she got her banana strawberry smoothie with whipped cream, I think is what she gets. And, um, but, you know, over there you see this MTO, right, made to order. That's what you do. You go to the machine and you can make this thing and order it, and then they make it behind the counter. It's not like they're cranking out you know, these assembly line products. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship, that God made us and designed us and really threw away the mold. There is no one on this planet like you there's no one in this church like you. No one has what you have. Your gifts, your talent, you have been shaped in a certain way to serve God. Rick Warren, what he does is he lays out five factors to consider when you're trying to discover your shape. Where do I fit? What should I be doing? What is my ministry? Where does God want to use me? And so he takes the word shape and uses it as the acrostic and takes a word and uses each of those letters. The first word or words 
is spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. A spiritual gift is a special God-empowered ability that he gives to you once you become a Christian. It's not something from birth. It's something when you trust Jesus, God says, I want to give you a gift. And he gives us an empowered ability to serve and to minister. It's a gift that he chose. You didn't choose it. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts according to his will. So every child of God gets a specific gift tailored right for him or for her. And your gifts reveals one key to discovering your ministry and service, to understand what that gift is. Heart is the second word. I have in parenthesis passion. It helps me to understand what he says in his chapter. He asks the question, what do you love to do? What is it that you love to do? What is it that you are passionate about? You know, I've often said, you, get, you want to start a certain ministry. If you find a leader who is passionate about that ministry, that ministry will be successful. Let me give you an example. A couple months ago, I get a call from Charlie Bechtel. Charlie says there's a prayer rally coming up in September. Franklin Graham is going to be leading this. Well, I hadn't heard of this before. But Charlie said, I want to get a group from the church, and we want to go down to the prayer rally. I said, that's great, Charlie. Go for it. I have seen in Charlie a passion for that ministry to such a degree that we end up having a full-scale school bus on Thursday morning. Now, it wasn't just from our church. They came with a bus half full. And then we, got on, we filled this bus, all because Charlie had a passion to see that these folks from this area, believers, would get down there at the Capitol on Thursday. You find someone with passion Find someone that they have a ministry that they love to do. And I'm telling you, it will be successful. Spiritual gift is one way to discover our shape. Figure out what turns you on. What turns you on? What is it that you love to do? Well, when you do what you love to do and enjoy it, you're going to be really, really good at it. So don't ignore your interests. Don't ignore those things that you're interested in and consider how, how can I use this to glorify and serve God? The third is abilities. Now this in contrast to spiritual gifts, abilities, Rick Warren says, is your um, natural talents. Those things that were given to you at birth. Um, you know, all of us were born differently. Uh, when we were born into this world, uh, we were born with certain natural talents. I mean, you look around. Uh, there are some that are just athletes. Uh, some were born with the ability to carry a tune. 
Um, not everybody was given that, but, you know, at birth, we're given certain talents. And Rick Warren says that we ought to consider these things when we consider ministry. What have I been, what have I been born with? Examine what, what are you good at doing or what are you good not at doing? And then that helps you to be able to discover uh, your shape. Uh, if you can't carry a tune, don't join the choir. I mean, it's that simple, right? So what is it you're good at? What do you have an interest in? What are those natural abilities that, that God gave to you? And figure out how you could use those here at the church. What about your personality? You know, when God made you, I said he broke the mold. There never has been, never will be another one just like you. God made some who uh, love variety. Uh, God's made some who don't love variety. Uh, God made some introverts. God made some extroverts. God made those who like to work independent of others. God made some that like to work on a team. We need to serve in a manner that is consistent with our personality. And then the last one he mentions is experiences. We're trying to discover our shape. We're trying to discover where God wants to use us in the church. He says, take a look at your experiences. And I want to refer to his book on this last point uh, because I really like what, what he has to say. He talks about family experiences. Um, what did you learn as you were growing up? Uh, educational experiences. What were those favorite subjects that you had in school? Vocational experiences. What jobs have you had um, and enjoyed? Spiritual experiences. Uh, what have you been, uh, what, what have been your most meaningful times with God? Ministry experiences. What have you done in the past that maybe you're not doing now, but you've had some success? But then he lists this last one, and this is where he expands. He says, painful experiences. What problems, hurts, thorns, and trials have you learned from? And he says in this last category, these painful experiences, it's what God uses most to prepare us for ministry. He says, God never wastes a hurt. In fact, your greatest ministry will most likely come out of your greatest hurt. Now, I get that. I know six years ago when I had my heart attack, I, I had a lot of questions. I had a lot of you know, questions I had. Am I ever going to you know, bounce back? Am I ever going to be normal again? Is this thing going to completely ruin life? I remember coming back to church. I remember Jeff. He said something to me I'll never forget. Because he went through similar things. He said, listen, I don't know, I forget if he called me or saw me at the back. He said, listen, you're going to find yourself crying for no reason at all. <laughs> That's strange. But I found myself becoming very emotional over nothing. I don't know why that happens after a heart attack, but that helped me, Jeff. That helped me, and he said that to me, and it made sense when I got into that situation where I, why am I doing this? But here's what I discovered. You know, the Bible says that God comforts us 
so that we can comfort someone else. I have had a chance since then to comfort others. Just recently, it was my Dale Erdman. Some of you know Dale, my brother-in-law's brother. I went to the hospital. He had a heart attack, and I walked into the hospital room. I said, Dale, listen. I said, there is life after a heart attack. That's what I told him. I mean, sometimes you need to hear that because I know I was where he was. I was on my back in that hospital room, and I thought there isn't really life after a heart attack. Your whole life changes. Well, it doesn't have to. And I found that in my pain, I found a new ministry. And I look for those who have heart attacks because I have something to say. People listen because I've been there and I've done that. And that's what Rick Warren is saying. Rick Warren is saying, listen, don't waste your pain. Don't waste it. You've learned from it. Now, help someone else. That could be your ministry. That could be your ministry. Help someone else who is going through something that you're going through. Listen, people who are going through what you have been through are going to listen to you. And you have a lot to help. Don't waste your pain. And then he says this, and I'm going to close with uh, this uh, statement that he makes. And I, I really, I do agree with this so much. He said, the best way to discover your gift and ability the best way to discover where God wants you to serve is to experiment with different areas of service. He says, I could have taken hundreds of gifts and ability tests. He's not against those. We've had some of those in the church. But he said, I could have taken all of those tests as a young man and I would never have discovered I was gifted at teaching because I've never done it before. It was only after I began accepting opportunities to speak that I saw the results, that God has gifted me to do this. I can relate to that. You know, I, I remember back when, um, you know, I was part of this church and uh, never taught in my life. Had I taken a gift assessment test back then, I'd have never passed or never would have guided me into teaching. But I remember one day in this church, we were in a Sunday school class up in the Parsonage basement, and someone said, would you like to teach? We're going on a retreat this weekend. Teach? Teach the Bible? Are you kidding me? But I said yes. I went up to the hunting camp, and I taught and kind of enjoyed it a little bit. And then I decided, okay, I'll even teach. Someone asked me to teach the junior high boys. This was in Tony in your office. We had a few folding chairs that were set up there, and I taught the junior high boys. And goodness, over the years, here I am, standing before you good folks. Um, you, sometimes you have to just experiment. Just experiment. You know, and maybe you'll just jump into something, and all of a sudden you'll say, wow, this is just great. I, I really enjoy this. But Rick Warren says the greatest way to discover your gift is to experiment. It's to jump into something to start something and just see. You know, maybe you won't like it at all. Maybe you won't like it at all. Don't call it a failure. You're just experimenting. You're trying to figure out where you can serve God as you serve others. And eventually you'll learn. Eventually you'll figure it out. You know, if you get back to the nursery and you say, oh man, I cannot stand these crying babies. You know what? It was an experiment. You tried it. 
You tried it. You know, there's always needs in Awana. We're always looking for those who can help. Try something. Just try something. And call it an experiment. Call it what you would like. And, you know, eventually you'll figure it out. You'll figure out where you need to be. But, you know, the Bible says that we all are in this thing together. That we're dependent upon one another. That we need one another. And so the church needs you. And God has shaped you. He really has. God has shaped you exactly the way you are. He created you. are his workmanship. Think of that. No other person like you in the world. And God brought you right here to this church. And God has a place. And you need to find that place. We serve God by serving others. Jesus, what did he do? He measured greatness in terms of service. Jesus measured greatness in terms of service and actually called himself a servant. This morning, we're going to close by singing one of the old, old choruses uh, that we've sung in the past. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer of my heart always be, make me a servant. Make me a servant. Make me a servant today. Let's stand together and let's sing this. Let's sing this through twice. We'll sing this through twice, and then, uh, then we'll be dismissed. Make me a servant, humble and meek. Lord, let me lift up those who are weak. And may the prayer my heart always be make me a servant make me a servant make me a servant today make me a servant humble and meek lord let me lift up those who are weak and may the of my heart always be make me a servant make me a servant today father help us to change our attitudes of always taking and not giving Father, as we've just sung, we ask, this is our prayer, that, Lord, you might help us to be a servant, to minister to others, to serve others, for, Father, in that way, we're serving you. So we thank you and pray that, Lord, we each might discover our place in this church, that we might discover our shape, where we belong, where we need to serve. We thank you, Father, that you've given us that ability. That once saved, Lord, we've got to serve. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.